When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Hollywood Behind Closed Doors with Frank McKay on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'd like to welcome everyone. Frank McKay here with someone who's doing extraordinary work on a very difficult landscape and and subject, and he is a Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, I've followed him for years with the Washington Post. Uh, You could uh, follow him now with CBS News, but... 60 and 6 is coming up on on uh, on Quibi and uh, you are going to not you're not want to going to want to miss this. Wesley Lowry is our very special guest and he is covering everything that's going on in Kenosha and uh in the Jacob Blake situation and uh, uh Sean White, a gentleman who uh, filmed uh, the uh, the incident and uh, it just absolutely has to be uh, unbelievably heavy work for him. Wesley Lowry, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really really happy to have the conversation. Well, yeah, me too. And look, ever since the the murder of George Floyd. I've had a different feel, and I basically haven't left the studio. I haven't left New York State. Uh, how does it feel for you? I know you've done a lot of this. Is, does this feel different uh, than ever before? Is this heavier than ever before, or is this kind of uh, uh, par for the course for what you're used to? Uh, this is pretty heavy. You know, this this I would liken this to the stretch that, that happened in 2014, 2015, where you're seeing them kind of, one after the other. Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, Samir Rice, Freddie Gray, Sandra Bland, Philando Castillo, right? You know, where Walter Scott, right? Where they're happening time and time again. You know, it is interesting, right? We've been having this conversation now in the country in earnest for five years, right? We've done a bunch of journalism, done a bunch of interviews, and it can be a little exhausting and depressing that here we are again, right? Having what seems to be a similar conversation, right? Everyone on every side of this issue to the extent to which there are sides, would like there to be fewer police shootings, would like to have the police kill fewer people or shoot fewer people, right? Because it's traumatic, it's traumatic, no one wants it. And yet this many years forward, we're still not seeing, uh, you know, much decrease, if any decrease, in, in what's happening there. And, and I think that's a little, there's certainly, uh, you know, that's a little depressing. Well, one of the things that, that I noticed which is different, but it's on the on the protest side. And, you know, someone once said, well, this is 68 all over again. I said, no, in 68, you know, watch the newsreels. You didn't see that many white faces and brown faces mm. and black faces, yellow faces marching together. Here, this this has been different. And, and to me, this looks like a departure. And it looks it looks like everyone collectively is uh, is standing up for uh, for an issue uh, am i misreading that is that just what i'm seeing is that selective or is this is this a departure from 1968 uh, well that's that's certainly true and, and th- we see this 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 shows up in polling as well one of the major differences to between today and even just five years ago is that you now have a majority of white americans who believe that this is a, that this is a problem and who want something to be changed 
right? That wasn't true in 2014, 15, 16. That this was, at the time, largely black Americans saying this is urgent, this is a problem. It took white Americans another five years to get around to accepting that, the, that there was a systemic issue in law enforcement. Um, and, and so there is a, uh, you know, and so there's a, it's certainly been some movement there and the extent to which there's kind of a cross-racial coalition here um, is something that's a relatively new dynamic. What I've what I've always said is that I'm pro law enforcement, but there's some terrible, terrible members, and uh, and it's got to be cleaned out in law enforcement. And a guy like Der- Derek Chauvin, I, I mean, he shouldn't he he should never be allowed in society again. Never mind on the police force, but how many others are like him out there? Like and and what do you, what's going to be done to weed those guys out? Because there's a lot of law enforcement out there that are, are sympathetic. To what's going on here but it's it's almost like there's a, a line being drawn in the sand and you're either on law enforcement side or you're there i'm also pro peaceful protesting and of course there are terrible folks that take advantage of the protest and they they do all types of things is there a line in the sand is this becoming uh and i don't want to say black and white because that, that could be misconstrued is this is this becoming night and day either either you're you're in favor or you're against is this becoming completely polarized or is there some gray area here there's certainly a, a ton of polarization around these issues and people kind of uh locking themselves down in these various camps and, and i think that you know, part of it is, you know, you look at a case like, uh, you know, the Jacob Blake case, for example, and this is a kind of case that without um, without cameras, you, you wouldn't see much sympathy, right? This is someone with a prior criminal record, um, with some questions about their background. This is someone who, you know, the police would say wrestled with him. You know, they had tried to tase him already. He's going into the car thinking maybe he's got a weapon, right? But then we can actually watch the video ourselves. And even if all of those things are true, the I think the average person watches that video and goes, this guy doesn't deserve seven bullets in his back. They, they didn't need to do this, right? And I think that that wow. is one of the key things that video has done and has changed, right? We're no longer relying on a written account. We can just watch it with our own eyes and make the decision that even, all right, even if this guy should have been arrested, even if he did something wrong, even if he should have been more compliant, did the officer need to do the thing that we watched the officer do? And I think that changes the public perception in a way that was impossible before video. I mean, let's put it in perspective. Seven bullets in the back of a guy with that, that, uh, that didn't have a gun in his hand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Seven bullets in his... In a time like this, when uh, the, the country's a powder keg, just, uh, you know, trying to be held. His brethren, the, the, the cop who, who did this, this uh, you know, this unbelievable act, his brethren, his, his brothers and sisters in, in blue are in jeopardy now. We're all in jeopardy because of what he's done. And uh, just absolutely uh, seven bullets in the back is just... Uh, unfathomable for me. Uh, tell us about 60 and 6. Uh, what, what do we expect to see there? And I know you're going to have Rayshon White on as well. Of course. Now, Rayshon White was the one who took that video, um, and he talks pretty eloquently about how tough it's been for him, the anxiety. When he looks outside, he sees protests, he sees riots, he sees buildings being burned down, he sees people upset, and he wonders, is this his fault? Or did he do this by, by taking and posting this video? And that's an anxiety he's got to sit with. Uh, we do what, kind of one of the longest interviews he's done um, on camera, 
uh, sit down with him on 60 and 6. Now, 60 and 6 is a spinoff of 60 Minutes, so same show. It's just a little little shorter, and the hosts are a little bit younger. Um, and it's on the, uh, it's on the uh, you know, if, if uh, Bill Whitaker is 35, I'm 25, right? You know, so the, uh, the uh, and it's on the uh, mobile app Quibi. And so what you do is you download the app Quibi, and 60 and 6 will pop right up. Well, listen, great job. I know a lot of people are waiting to, to speak to you. Uh, if you can, give us a website or a social media site where people could follow your work. And by the way, Wesley, it's, it's absolutely terrific what, uh, the work that you're getting done and, and under unbelievable circumstances. Uh, give us a website and a social media site if you have. Sure. You know, and so my, my work's kind of all over the place. But what I always tell people is I keep all my social media simple. It's just my name, Wesley Lowry, W-E-S-L-E-Y-L-O-W-E-R-Y. Follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, and, and, you'll, and I, I link to all my stuff. Listen, uh, congratulations once again on all, all your success, but certainly now the work you're doing, the 60 and 6 is a must-watch. Wesley, thank you very much. Thank you. Wesley Lowry, everyone, has been our very special guest. And, and again, I'll say it again, I am, I am pro-law enforcement, absolutely pro-law enforcement. But what Derek Chauvin did, and, and I, I've got dear friends that are on the, on the force, men and women, that, uh, that I would love to spit in Derek Chauvin's, more than that, uh, in, in his face, for what he did. I mean, he murdered George Floyd, and, uh, you know, in a $20 bill, uh, you know, counterfeit, whatever it was, but he, something uh, is, is seriously wrong. Uh, with anyone that would kneel on on uh, a, a suspect's neck for that long, and he started all of this. And again, I know it's been bubbling under the surface, and I know everyone wants to blame this one or blame that one or whatever. It started there, and there are some terrible, terrible folks on, on the police force. But I, I, I believe 90% of them, 99% of them, are, are just uh, men and women trying to protect us and, and whatever, but there's some bad ones. Uh, the protesters, the peaceful protesters, uh, it, it, hey, look, that's uh, nothing more American than being uh, speaking your mind and, and protesting peacefully. But, man, you start breaking up windows and you start uh, looting. Uh, you're not a protester. You're a thug. You're, you're, uh, you're a criminal when you start doing that. And the same goes for, you know, Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin's a, he's not a cop, he's a criminal. He's a, um, he, he's a disgrace to that uniform. Uh, but the, you know, the protest is the same thing. I mean, you keep it peaceful, you keep it, uh, you keep it gentle, you get it, you keep it as calm as you can, yell all you want, do whatever. Uh, don't attack the cops. Don't, don't attack others. Don't wreck uh, people's property uh, it's only hurting your cause and and I mean uh, there's both sides again I'm pro law enforcement no question about it but I'm pro peaceful protesting also and uh, you know that's a, a, about as uh, as clear as you can get it Wesley Lowry is a Pulitzer award-winning journalist and you've known his work uh, over the years from the Washington Post and CBS News and he gets down in the trenches and he gets down into some very, very ugly situations and ugly subjects. And again, it's tense. Here, it's tense. Everyone feels the tension that, uh, that's out there on these, these particular issues. This guy's in the middle of it, and it's uh, uh, terrible. We'll get through it. We'll all get through it. But again, uh, it, it, what happened uh, is, uh, is absolutely, completely terrible. An author, a best-selling author, and absolutely wonderful. I read a book a couple years back called Top of the Morning, 
and it's about morning TV, and I, it was absolutely brilliant. And the author of that book has uh, his latest out, and I'll tell you about that in a second. He is the chief media correspondent for CNN. You know his work over the years from the New York Times. He is, a, a, a once again, a best-selling author. The name of his latest, it is a must-get for everyone, and I don't care what side you're on. You want to be part of this debate, get this book, Hoax. Donald Trump, Fox News, and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth. Brian Stelter, how are you? Well, I'm great after hearing your introduction. I yeah. couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, congratulations on, on the book. What I'm blown away by is is the amount of Fox employees, past and present, that were able to speak that you were able to speak to. Two hundred and fifty, is that is that an accurate number? Yeah, in and around Fox. About hundred and forty of those our current employees, others used to work there, or our managers or talent agents. You know, there's a lot of people in and around Fox World who are frustrated with how the network has changed and how the pro-Trump propaganda has taken over. And so that's why they confided in me. Yeah, I mean, just amazing. I guess since Roger Ailes left there's a, there's a huge void there and I, I guess the question was like well who's running the show and I I think you can make the argument and certainly uh, you're the best guy to ask about this is is President Trump running the show at Fox News Trump has filled a power vacuum at Fox he's exploited a power vacuum and the host some of the stars some of the anchors they are trying to please the president and please the president's biggest fans um, because they don't have strong leadership at the top. Who's not trying to please the president? Is you know, obviously, obviously uh, Shep uh, Smith. <laughs> uh, right, he's not. Who over there is annoyed by this? If uh, if you have that insight, let us know. Who's right. bothered by this? Well, I, I think the way we can tell is by looking at who Trump attacks on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> because he sometimes attacks Fox News. He complains about Chris Wallace. He complains about Neil Cavuto. He complains about weekend hosts like Leland Bittard and Arthel Neville. He complains about some of the Democratic commentators on Fox. So he doesn't want to hear news or differing opinions on Fox. He only wants to hear propaganda. And he lashes out at some of those journalists who work there. Yeah, well, Chris Wallace, it's difficult to criticize him. I, I mean, when you look at him, he, he looks like he's about as balanced as you can get. And I don't care what network um, you're on. I mean, Chris Wallace, to me, would, would look like a journalist journalist. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, just in looking at him, uh, I, I see very little complaint with him. Uh, I imagine the president didn't like that he, he kind of called him on a, a bunch of things and he didn't let him kind of uh, slither away. <laughs> on things and he, he was annoyed but what's what's Chris Wallace's reaction right. to all of this Wallace is about accountability and normally that would not stick out at a network because news outlets are all about getting to the truth and holding the powerful accountable but you know Wallace does stand out because he is kind of rare on Fox there's not many people like him there a lot of people at Fox told me they feel like they don't have the power to fact check Trump or hold him accountable but thankfully Wallace does He's kind of autonomous. He's like a guy on his own island, so he has a lot of freedom to do what he wants. We spoke about how many people uh, did uh, participate with you and cooperated with you. Uh, How many folks didn't? Uh, Was anyone uh, just freaked out when you asked (laughs) them the question and said, get the hell, Brian, are you out of your mind? Uh, How much of that did you get? Right. Well, I did ask for interviews with stars like Sean Hannity. 
I've known Sean for 16 years. We used to be rather friendly, and not anymore. He declined to talk to me for the book. I did offer to go on his show, though, in case he ever wanted to interview me. And, Sean, if you're listening, the offer does still stand. Sean is uh, is on right after me, so there's a good chance, <laughs> and on many stations. So uh, he's uh, you know he's on right after me. I don't know if he's listening to me, but certainly some of his listeners are. Uh, maybe they could. Uh, you know, let me let me say this about let me say this about Hannity, if I can. He is a tremendous broadcaster. I think he's really talented, um, but he has this relationship with Trump that no one knows about. He never talks about it publicly, and I wish he would. You know, he's giving the president advice and telling him who to hire and who to fire. Hannity's really powerful, and I tried to explain in hoax all the ways that he is so powerful. But he kind of keeps it a secret from his listeners, and I think that's the problem. See, I think the the Bob Woodward situation and, and the press around there kind of points to why people really should check in on your book as well. I don't think it. I, I don't think it's, uh, it. It distracts necessarily from it, but I think uh, if people want to kind of get to the bottom of what's going on, and if they, uh, if they read the Woodward book well, and 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 your book, they, yeah. they really get a broad view of, of what's going on. I'm glad to say. I think they're the perfect companion. You know, they tell two sides of the same story about mismanagement of the pandemic. I tell the Fox side. Woodward tells the Trump side. And hey, let me just put it this way. I'm glad uh, Hoax came out before Rage because Rage is, <laughs> is definitely one of the biggest books of the year. You know, they've printed over a million copies according to numerous news reports. And these books, you know, I know some people say none of the books matter anymore. Everybody's mind is made up. But I still think it matters for history. It still is important to have a record of what happened. Uh, you know, you mentioned hoax. I'm going to mention it again. Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth is the name of the book. And Brian Stet uh, uh, Stelter is the very, very competent author. And you could question a lot of things, but what you can't <laughs> question is success. Uh, the top of the morning was uh, absolutely wonderful and a bestseller. But this is a, a must-watch and a must-read, uh, I should say for everyone out there, and Brian is with us for a couple minutes more, a lot of people waiting to speak to him. Uh, do we know of anyone that the president is responsible for getting fired at Fox or uh, demoted or, or lessened their influence? Uh, is there anyone that yeah. you could point to yeah. that, that fits that description? Yeah, that's a very important question. He has certainly tried. He recently urged Fox to fire Jennifer Griffin because Griffin confirmed parts of the Atlantic reporting saying that Trump had insulted war veterans. Uh, we don't know of any case where he has succeeded in having someone fired, but there are definitely times when Fox uh, stops booking certain guests or downplays certain guests because the producers know that Trump and Trump's fans don't like those people anymore. Judge Andrew Napolitano is a great example. He was a Trump friend for decades, a regular on Fox, but when he criticized Trump, he started to be booked less often on the air. I'm not saying that's Trump's fault, but I think the producers of the network, they are kind of scared of putting on too many Trump critics too often because they're afraid of losing their ratings and losing their audience. Well, how much impact did, did Trump have on, on Roger Ailes? Uh, and what was the interaction between the two men? Yeah, the two men had a lot in common. You know, they were close in age, kind of similar New Yorkers. 
similar fears of immigration and crime, and both ran their businesses like fiefdom. So I think Ailes did Trump a huge service by putting him on Fox and Friends every week for four years before the campaign started. It was almost like a job interview, like he got to practice being a candidate on Fox and Friends. But you know what? Ailes was also tough on Trump when he needed to be. He would criticize Trump uh, when Trump would lash out at Megyn Kelly. Part of what's missing now at Fox is someone who has an iron fist, a strong leader like Ailes. Brian, congratulations on the book and all your success, but if you can give us a website or a social media site where people could follow along, it would be great. Yeah, it's easy. You go to buyhoax.com, and I'm on Twitter, at Brian Seltzer on Twitter. Well, congratulations once again on the uh, on the success of Hoax, and, and we'll be talking about it as you leave. Thank you Brian, much. thanks for being here. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you. CNN chief media correspondent Brian Stelter has been our very special guest, and he is the author of Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth. And again, whatever side, I know a lot of folks are listening to us uh, who uh, probably (laughs) hate Brian and can't stand Brian, but uh, get the book or check out the excerpts from the book and and make your own conclusions, draw your own uh, conclusions from what he is saying. Between this and the Woodward book, you're gonna you're gonna see the uh, the anti look at Trump and and what the uh, the media and and heavyweights in the media. I mean, Brian was a longtime member of uh, of the New York Times staff, and again, to be the chief media correspondent for CNN is is a big deal. But Bob Woodward, of course, is legendary. But that's uh, these are two of the best that they have. Uh, the media has. And if you uh, if you want to see uh, what is going on and and what can be used in this election to uh, to hurt the president, if that's your candidate, these are the two books to check out and see what they're saying. Uh, on the other side, again, we've had a lot of folks that are uh, speaking up on behalf of the president, and you know, Newt Gingrich, we've had on I think three or four times in the last couple months, and uh, you know, his his books are obviously going to show a much different side of the story than uh, than both Brian and, and uh, Bob Woodward. Anyway, Brian Stelter has been our very special guest, and he, uh, once again, is CNN's chief media correspondent, and he is the author of Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth. Frank McKay signing off.